so let's begin formally yep uh, do you want to actually turn off the video because like internet yeah sure what's that noise इसी मिट्टी को हिंदुस्तान हेलो एंड वेलकम टू द थर्ड एपिसोड ऑफ द आलसी एक्टिविस्ट पॉडकास्ट एंड टुडे विथ मी आई हैव सुधांशु मित्रा गुड फ्रेंड ऑफ माइन हु इज हु इज अ वेरी इंटरेस्टिंग पर्सन टू टॉक टू सो For the last two episodes, people have been messaging me that name me to Alsi activist rakh liya, but कुछ political बातें तो हो नहीं रही हैं. So people thought uh, I'm actually afraid of getting into politics and getting down and dirty with people whose opinions I don't necessarily agree with. So to all those people, Sudamshu is that guy who will never uh, agree with me on most of the things because I I think. a lot like most of you would and sudamshu is that one person who wouldn't so if uh, if i had to type cast sudanshu uh, sudamshu is that one person who would come to your mind if you think of the word libtard so sudamshu is a very vocal uh, activist mostly thinks to uh, left of center has opinions mostly to the left of center and uh, he has a lot of interesting things to talk about today so hi sudamshu hi aniket yeah it's hi. nice to yeah it's nice to show. catch up finally like i've been following yeah. your writings for a long time now but uh, mm. never had the chance to actually sit and talk and i'm pretty sure you would agree with me the comment section on your facebook is not the best place to be talking about most of these things yeah yeah that's true yeah and i've seen your posts also i mean it, it kind of has uh, shifted from before oh yes, i mean very much <laughs> I've, i've seen the change in the way in which you talk about things so yes definitely yeah we'll get to that so sudamshu before we get into uh, some of the things that we have on our list to talk about could you just give a brief introduction of who you are as a person and uh, why our listeners should listen to you and uh, what are some of the interesting things about your personality yeah so i mean largely uh, like to say that i just i'm interested in you know understanding the world around us the society that we live in to try to see you know what are the common patterns that are there uh, what kind of inequalities that exist and you know what can we do i mean what can i do in my personal capacity uh, uh considering i'm from a particular background so trying to see how i can support in my own space but uh, i mean to talk about it in terms of professional terms or uh, you know educational terms i did my engineering born and brought up in bangalore no born in raichur mm-hmm. actually brought up in uh, bangalore mostly Oh, you are you are a North Karnataka guy then? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm, I'm, oh, I mean, nice. I, I, when I go there, I try to. I mean, my <laughs> dialect changes in with respect to Canada. That was sweet. Uh, yeah, we don't get a lot of people uh, from there on this yeah. podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I mean, yeah. Basically, I did my engineering 
because I, you know, it, it, it was a constant uh, sort of, you get good marks, you do science, you get good marks, you do electronics and communications, you get mm-hmm. like placed. I got placed in a gaming company, worked for two years. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then after, you know, the experience in the gaming set, I realized I'm, you know, I'm doing uh, five days of work and two days of partying. So mm-hmm. that used to continue on and on and on. I was like, where is my life going? I mean, is there any meaning to it? Right. But for a brief while, you must have felt like you're living the dream, right? Like you graduated. Yeah, yeah, I did. I did. Um, Because it felt like, you know, I'm getting a lot of money. um, Mm -hmm. And the company that I was working at had a lot of perks in terms of, you know, breakfast, lunch and Mm -hmm. trips. And I did did quite a bit of traveling, trekking uh, over the two years uh, specifically. So Mm -hmm. it it did feel uh, really... Um, you know, wonderful to be in that space. And also, I didn't get into the, you know, the uh, companies like IBM, Wipro specifically. So this was still a more energetic space because the kind of work was uh, involved a lot. You know, it's about gaming and, you know, you're always thinking about things. So you would have been that nerdy, like the geeky kind of guy who's, you know, out there in their hoodies and sitting all day on their beanbags and coding? I mean, yeah, in one sense, yeah. But we used to do a lot. We used to have a lot of fun. I mean, right. there's a lot of karaoke sessions, FIFA sessions. I mean, there's just mm. a lot of fun. Right. To imagine for you to go from that to like, mm. you make this complete 180 degree turn and you join Young India Fellowship uh, yeah. Yeah. by Ashoka University. And yeah, yeah, that is true. where I see like much of your personality undergoes like a huge change and yeah. you basically walk in as a person and you come out as a completely different person. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. and, and a lot of people actually believe that institutes like Ashoka are responsible yeah. for brainwashing a lot of kids. <laughs> yeah. And it is kind of true in your case. I'm not sure if Ashoka yeah. was responsible, but or it was just you and your research that took you there. Yeah. So how was your experience there? And what made you yeah. actually undergo this metamorphosis? Yeah. So, I mean, I, uh, I joined because I wanted to learn more about the world at that point and I mm-hmm. applied and I got through. So I went and joined, uh, but, uh, to be honest, yeah, I mean, the answer to the question, whether it brainwashes people, it does in, it does and it doesn't also. So it's like mm-hmm. a, both things are happening. So it really depends on what you end up doing with all the things that you learn. Right. So uh, I was lucky in terms of the time I went in where there were really good professors. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, now also there are, but the ones who were there at that time were always critical about things around. The mm-hmm. second thing that kind of helped me was you know, I've always been in a group of engineers, in a group of a particular kind of profession, uh, you know, following people. And for me to go to a place and meet people from different backgrounds, mm-hmm. right? Like from lawyers and from artists and from economists. I mean, they've all studied different things and they've come from different colleges. Uh, so that gave me a very different view of the world. Um, it, it, uh, so the professors, the readings I did and the peers, uh, that were there in Ashoka, mm-hmm. it, it made me question a lot of things that I had assumed that this is how it should be. 
um for example as simple as i mean i mean probably it's not simple but uh, i mean as simple as uh, you know thinking about uh in a group of uh, like let's say in a classroom uh mm-hmm. like who are the ones who are asking more questions or mm-hmm. who are the ones who are dominating the conversations more right and who are the ones who kind of feel that you know because either they uh, you know they aren't able to articulate in terms of uh, you know in the english that other people are using or the knowledge that they have mm-hmm. but the fact is they have a lot of experience and knowledge but they they because of the way in which the group was structured you'd always mm-hmm. hear voices from you know men and upper caste uh, itself which are dominating the conversation so i mean for me to look at it take a step back and see hey is this true is this a pattern that i see is this the pattern that i see that you know there is there is there something called mansplaining mm-hmm. uh, specifically so all of this kind of made me start to think about okay what what is it what is society i mean what is what is it that we are taught to kind of condition to be mm-hmm. in and what is it that we are doing because we actually you know want to be that way so this was the kind of uh, uh shift in thought that i had mm-hmm. because of variety of reasons i did read a lot i did listen to a lot of good lectures i did debate argue with a lot of my friends mm-hmm. so ashoka gave me that space uh for uh, and i think for engineers who don't don't have uh who don't undergo any of the humanities course i forget mm-hmm. brainwashing mm-hmm. it's just about engaging with history with sociology uh once you move out of school right. and try so but so that i that was lacking in my space at least but i got that in a space and that mm-hmm. made me think about things which i had not thought about before so i think that's where i would like to not right. talk about the metamorphosis uh, isn't this kind of contradictory though when you say mm-hmm. that you got like an opportunity to talk to people from different backgrounds and mm-hmm. people who had different perspectives mm-hmm. but again we see that places like ashoka or jnu are essentially still uh, dominated by a certain kind of discourse so having a certain yeah. uh, like strand of opinions is considered as woke and yeah. uh, anything which is deviating from that is kind of seen as regressive right wing mm. whatever so of course we live in this mm. world of you know very black and white uh, kind of narratives mm-hmm. yeah so does your uh, so my question essentially is does mm. do places like ashoka which claim to have uh, like get give a platform to people mm. uh, from different backgrounds to come together mm. and interact are they actually diverse enough do they have enough representation from mm. the right wing and or does it just become become again like one of these got it uh, left yeah, wing heavy uh, propaganda machines yeah so uh, i mean i am more in like whenever you ask me i'll go into some of the nuances of it because mm-hmm. see one thing i would like to say is i mean that there are differences between public and private universities right uh, some of these public universities i mean jnu we see because it's in delhi and news media pays attention to it but there are many mm-hmm. other public universities which have uh, you know uh, which have reservations which have affirmative actions 
which allow for people from even marginalized sections to be part of uh, the university. Right. I mean, I'm not commenting on whether it's actually implemented fully or uh, mm -hmm. whether people from the marginalized backgrounds going into this university space Mm -hmm. discrimination or not i'm not going to that but the very fact that there is that difference which is not there in ashoka so mm -hmm. in ashoka like you are talking about the difference between um, left and right ideas right, right. Uh, so the 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 aspect that is also there is that even within the left mm -hmm. i mean you you can call it left but it is not i mean ashoka I have written about Ashoka and, you know, people listening to it can go and Google my name and Ashoka and mm -hmm. critiques of Ashoka come, uh, I have I've written about it. But the main mm -hmm. thing is that Ashoka, while it does, you know, provide a different kind of education, right? It the fees is expensive, only people from certain backgrounds can get into it. Mm -hmm. uh, people who can be articulate in English can easily go through the university. So there's a lot of issues with the way in which a private university like Ashoka is structured, right? Right. Yeah. So I'm saying even within the this idea of, okay, whether Ashoka is a drift idea, within that, mm -hmm. it's actually not fully left. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to say that it's not left. It's a mm -hmm. very, for me, it's a very liberal centrist sort of a space, mm -hmm. which doesn't get into matters. Like, for example, if people question the university's actions, mm -hmm. Uh, university has at different points uh, scuttled the voices of the students and alumni, right? right? Yep. So uh, that means that it's not practicing what it preaches. Like we talk right. about liberty, equality, fraternity and all that. Mm -hmm. But what it preaches, it doesn't follow, to be honest. Because right. if you mm -hmm. look at it systematically, fees, policies, actions against people who have uh, you know, done sexual harassment, reservations, right. It's a, it's, it's not a uh, good place, but with respect to left and right, mm -hmm. there is, of course, uh, I mean, th there is this, uh, idea that, you know, I know that a lot of students within Ashoka talk about, uh, how, uh, you know, we don't get to say what we want to say. I mean, it's, we're dominated mm -hmm. by the left, uh, right. things. I, I, I don't think I want to deny that experience. I think that experience is true to a certain extent because there is a group of I mean, there are people who get into this sort of left and right sort of a debate without getting into talking about what the issue is. Right. And there's a lot of name calling that happens, right? So it alienates people. So that does exist in all spaces, including Ashoka. But I know that uh, there are, you know, people who engage with these ideas or, you know, at least uh, figure out how to talk about it without fully alienating. Right. Like okay. you can be really strong and still not alienate. So I think that I would like to uh, say that about Ashoka. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, so that makes sense. Uh, mm -hmm. So you basically join Ashoka and your journey of, you know, uh, self-reflection, kind of learning about the society. Yeah. One could say that your journey of becoming woke as a person begins there. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, at home, you have this environment where your father is like a, well-known journalist who who's yeah. mostly written from the right-wing perspective most of his life yeah. Yeah. and he's currently the advisor to the bjp government's chief minister right yeah 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 uh, bsc so yeah. when you have and of course you belong to like a brahmin upper caste family yes. and uh, yeah. 
all kinds of privileges that one can count on their fingers yeah yeah so how how were the dinner table conversations then like did it change your family dynamics and how did your parents take to your uh, mm. different views now yeah so i came out of ashoka in 2016 um mm-hmm. and um, it's been 4 years uh, for now i think so so the, the relationship has changed over the years so when i came out of ashoka i had this full energy that you know you know whatever i think is the you know the way in which it has to be and uh, had very rigid ideas of how people have to be though i had the ideas of you know feminism or anti caste and all that but mm-hmm. uh, even then i had this idea that you know people should quickly understand what i'm saying right. and um, they should change immediately they should be like hey yeah what the government is doing is wrong mm-hmm. but uh, so there was a lot of anger frustration in the beginning so uh, that that did erupt between my relationship with my parents mm-hmm. and other family members also uh, over the period of time i've kind of um you know realize that I, i don't think i'm personally for myself i don't want to alienate my parents uh or the relationship that i have mm-hmm. uh, i don't want to kind of uh, push them away but though i understand for a lot of people that's something that they want to do and they're okay doing and they have no other option so they do it and i respect that also mm-hmm. but for me what i thought was that i don't think i can do it in in the kind of relationship that i share with my parents so we uh, so we i mean the nature of the conversation changed changed from you know being fully about politics to um talking more about you know our own lives right. um and to talk and sometimes we avoided political conversations where we we were like you know we talk about everything except politics right uh, so that also happened that But, must mostly be yeah. a decision of your mom <laughs> i would assume <laughs> i mean it, it was i mean it was not like a conscious decision right it's like right. we know that if we get into this territory it's going to be a lot of emotion yeah. so we will not get into it <laughs> so we will just talk about other things around so it, that, that's kind of the uh, nature of relationship i started uh, right you know, sharing but we do talk about it in different ways these mm-hmm. days to talk, talk about what is happening right now in terms of issues but not in terms of ideologies so that nature has changed though the tension exists but it's right. not like before yeah that's the that's the exact status i have in my family whatsapp group <laughs> so yeah <laughs> <laughs> there's this comedian who who brings up this excellent point where he says ye ca nrc this whole thing woke up a lot of us who were kind of like completely yeah. dormant to the idea of politics mm. yeah and we suddenly saw like these the string of things that happened with like the abrogation of article 371 and then yep. uh within quick succession there was the ca then then the nrc yeah. so yeah. that kind of rang the alarm bells for a lot of us but we 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 were just late to the party so when we tried to oppose this the first step of opposition we faced was from our own family members like yeah. it was so difficult for me to explain to my mom why these ideas are like not yeah. the best way to go forward mm-hmm. but it seemed like there was there was so much h- hatred which was already built in within that these yeah. steps didn't didn't seem to matter to anybody at that point yeah so we we had yeah. kind of lost that battle in 2019 itself yeah yeah 
and yeah, it, it kind of makes me feel like we were the ones who were at fault kyunki tab mm. tak to we used to like name call apne mein hi like kisi ko mm. communal bula diya kisi ko sexist bula diya and mm. we sort of alienated all of our own uh, like people yeah yeah but yeah. Uh, on the other hand people like arnab goswami were busy rallying their forces together yeah 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 and yeah, look, that's so true. we were watching netflix <laughs> yeah that's true <laughs> yeah i mean that's the uh, i think realization like all you know supposedly woke people should have right um as to what they you know what what are they actually systematically doing and thinking about the long term way of uh, talking about things or imagining societies and right. all that I, yeah. that we all has all have to reflect on yeah i mean for all the amount of like the talking and like the writing people mm. on the liberal side do they ex- they lack this idea of good pr extremely like their yeah. pr mechanism is horrible and yeah. bjp tod raha hai matlab they are doing it so well <laughs> mm. yeah that's they true they really have a few lessons there yeah i mean they have uh... yeah for sure i mean they have uh, kind of mobilized a lot of people from the grassroots uh, uh, and you know thought i mean it's, it's a very interesting thing because there's a lot of talking about volunteering you know we we, we help people in crisis we do volunteering which right. is true i mean there's a lot there's a lot of volunteering that done by rss abvp mm-hmm. uh, in terms of crisis but uh, but what gets missed out is that no one talks about structural changes it's all about we will help you um um and that's about it i mean like right. you want to think of structural changes how to mm-hmm. uh, talk about education employment economy uh, right. not communal differences caste differences mm-hmm. those aspects don't come people are okay with saying i will go and step out of my balcony and then um mm-hmm. you know clap but they don't take the next step which is okay i clap but what is what how do we ensure that you know i don't have to be like charity need not exist all the while in the society mm-hmm. yeah that makes sense yes mm-hmm. um so i noticed that in a lot of times uh, conversing with you one of the thing one of the themes that keeps recurring for you is your passion about addressing privilege and caste issues yeah yeah so i've noticed that you've like started especially after uh, going to ashoka talking a lot about caste issues and mm. uh and honestly speaking i was one of the those people who would look at like my only interaction with caste and mm. now i realize that this whole thing is because i belong to such a privileged background that i never had to bother about caste <laughs> it was that uh, people getting uh, reservations uh, to get into iits and uh, yeah these elite engineering colleges mm-hmm. and mm. my initial understanding was okay this idea sucks because there was this guy in my own class who got like much less marks than i did and yeah he didn't seem to be from a poor background or whatever and now he's in this amazing iit while i'm sucking at yeah. a yeah lower uh, ranked school so got it what was your idea of caste and 
what were your influences on how the views on caste changed yeah so um i mean i also had similar ideas like whatever mm-hmm. you said and uh, and i remember this when i was very young i think and someone asked me my caste in school mm-hmm. and um, i uh, i went and asked my parents i think my dad about you know what is my caste mm-hmm. so he said you don't have to think about it like you know we don't you don't have any caste specifically mm-hmm. all right so i grew up with that idea that you no know, caste doesn't exist it's casteless like i mm-hmm. i don't have any caste or you know just not talking about caste makes it seem like the caste doesn't exist yeah right, right. so yeah. so that was my um uh, initial ideas but uh, that changed quite a bit i mean the first seminal text that i read is at which everyone should read is annihilation of caste by ambedkar mm-hmm. um and of course there were professors different professors who talked about caste but when i read that text is when i read it along with gandhi's hind swaraj too mm-hmm. uh and uh, that ambedkar's letters to gandhi and all of that logically made sense to me i mean i i am i i do try to look at things in logical sort of framework and see if okay this is making sense mm-hmm. so that made sense then i looked up the research that's already done in terms of uh, what is the situation who who is present in uh, uh, what positions in the society like who controls the media who mm-hmm. controls the you know even in jnu who who are the professors mm-hmm. uh, even in ashoka who are the professors and who are the students right and you start i started looking at what are their composition mm-hmm. um and when you look at composition of people in different jobs in different the people placed in power i started realizing that oh there is a difference i mean whether you want to i mean you can take any uh, view of the society post that but there's no way you can deny the fact that there is a difference in terms of composition of people from right? mm-hmm. you look at people in position of power are always from the upper caste itself right so when i started seeing all that i and i you know there was a lot of engagements with some of my peers who explained to me i mean uh, they took the effort to explain to me what it is and all that then i started reading about it quite a bit mm-hmm. uh, and i started realizing that uh, you know uh, caste is not about just reservations i mean it gets res- re- uh, reduced to reservations whenever someone says caste the immediate thing is oh but reservation should not exist right. but the way i started looking at caste is more in terms of it exists all among us mm-hmm. like all of our actions are uh, shaped by the idea of caste from because of our upbringing mm-hmm. and also there is a history to our lives i mean we can't ignore the fact that if our ancestors were not discriminated in the way others were discriminated Mm-hmm. of course there might be poor brahmins and all that but even then mm-hmm. even then if you compare the discrimination that other castes went through in the history is very different from what uh, my ancestors went through right my ancestors were largely the ones who were doing the discrimination mm-hmm. so if that i mean I, and it's very simple for me because for me it's like oh if the parents were privileged they would give better uh, opportunities to their kids and then it passes on the land passes on uh right. the education passes on the culture passes on mm-hmm. uh and you there is you are already coming out into the society uh with you know historical merit supposed merit that's there right, right. you being come into the society and you'll be like 
oh uh, you you're already recognized by people around you have all the networks like if i want a job right now yeah. i can i have all the networks that i have uh, and if i mm-hmm. want an education i have all the networks to learn from how to apply for universities right. so yeah. i am situated in this space so that, that is when i started realizing that oh there is this system that's there and also more, last point the main point they want to make is that it's this caste thing is not a you know which ambedkar and many people talk about mm-hmm. which i i mean my learning is from the people who are critiqued caste and they're all from marginalized background so right. they talk about how caste is not a dalit question it's a brahmin question it's a banya question you know, in mm-hmm. terms of we are the ones who should be addressing it right. um so i then i started thinking about how do i address it mm-hmm. yeah right so uh, talking about caste uh, one of the observations i've had with this whole topic is that it's very easy to derail these conversations because i've noticed that people quickly fall into one of the two boxes there'll be mm-hmm. one side which will pick this idea of social equity mm-hmm. and that is the side that comes up with data and numbers Mm-hmm. and this other side which quickly becomes defensive and says okay but maine to kisi ko i didn't practice untouchability so yeah. why are you imposing yeah. this unjust system on me where you're just calling me names for no mistake of mine true true so true. that anecdotal versus statistical argument becomes very difficult to deal with because when people yeah. start bringing in anecdotes in their arguments it, yeah you cannot just carry forward like it's just one anecdote what do you want me to address in that yeah yeah no you're right i mean that's that's i, I think that's how you know in terms of the way in which i mean caste doesn't one thing i want to say is that we all assume that as soon as someone says you know you have you are being casteist mm. uh we assume that you know we are conscious about all the steps that we take like every day i get up i do things or i choose certain professions and all that we assume that we are all doing it by our own choice uh which is true to a certain extent but right we should also understand that we are products of the society mm-hmm. um and we because we are products of the society i mean there are many who debunk sociology itself i mean i can't say anything to that when they say sociology is not true but yeah. i am a person who believes that many of our actions thoughts the way we interact with women the way we interact with you know our domestic workers and all mm-hmm. that is completely uh, you know biased because of our ideological upbringing and the world that we live in right um so uh, so which is why i think there is a derailment of conversations that happen because it's easy to not accept that this is a reality and it is yeah. hard because it is hard and i have experienced this in ashoka where when i was told many of these ideas anything mm-hmm. with respect to capitalism or feminism or anything mm-hmm. any ism you can take i was i i took me some you no know, a week or so for me to uh, it felt like something is breaking down inside of me Mm-hmm. Uh, i felt really like you know i don't have any hold over the world uh, itself but post that is when i again started uh, looking at the world with a new and uh, with new eyes and that process is very difficult which i can understand and which is why it is difficult for people to mm-hmm. talk about things so there is this notion of okay there is one person i know who has done this there is one person i know or 
uh, who has uh, misused reservations or who, uh, who or uh, I don't do anything and you make it you make that as a pattern of the society mm-hmm. yeah. which shouldn't be the case you should look at what are the patterns of the society and then also reflect on your actions right so right. that's mm-hmm. the the friends that i like to bring before uh, before we proceed any further with mm-hmm. this idea i want to take one step back and mm-hmm. so sure. most of my listeners will again be mm-hmm. probably be like upper caste people who are, mm-hmm. have n- never interacted with caste issues mm-hmm. as such mm-hmm. so i want to give you like quick two or three minutes for you to actually mm-hmm. go ahead and convince them that they wake up and be casteist all the time mm-hmm. without realizing it and your time starts yeah. now <laughs> thanks uh, so yeah see i think one thing that we have to understand is that when we work on the issue of caste in our own lives mm-hmm. we will kind of move towards a better full human potential what i which many people have written about which is that caste limits our full human potential we think we are you know elite and we have all the resources and all but it's not i mean as simple as uh, there is a division between intellectual labor and physical labor mm-hmm. uh, which kancha elaya is a person uh, this is written a book called why i am not a hindu mm-hmm. uh, we should just read it and see the difference he brings between the productive caste which we talks about how they are these castes who do the labor of different things like you know toddy tappers or mm-hmm. agricultural laborers Uh, or any of these weavers or, you know many of these people who are producing things from their own you know labor right and he talks about us who are intellectual laborers uh, mm-hmm. largely so he talks about how because of this division we have also not reached like us upper caste have not reached our own full human potential because we have to go to you know uh this is my uh, extrapolation which is that we have to go to gym we have to do other things we have to we not mm-hmm. connected to the nature connected to the ground itself right. we are very alienated from the so mm-hmm. working on caste itself is helpful for our own benefit for right. that's one thing that i would like to say second thing that i would like to say for people to think about caste is that what kind of a society do you imagine mm-hmm. right i mean i'm not saying you have to go and become a full blown activist i'm also not a full blown activist so you don't have to uh, i'm not saying you have to do that all you have to do is mm-hmm. okay you live in a world fine you do your own job you uh, get married you look, do travel around have leisure etc but fine but what is the society you want to imagine for your own kids right, right. so mm-hmm. for all the people around environment and all that so when you start thinking about that then you will start to see that there are inequalities in the society which of which caste is one and right. that is where the data numbers come so you look at that and you will see that oh there is a difference so how do i work on this and how do i work on this is again this is the last point i would like to make is we have to uh, really understand that because of our upbringing because of the way in which we think about caste like we talk about how we assume that i haven't done any discrimination etc mm-hmm. we are limited by our own caste to think about caste right. uh, so because of that we have to follow the lead of the people who are you know living day to day casteist experiences mm-hmm. and they have written about their experiences and we have to learn from that and then figure out what we can do in our own i mean even in ambedkar's time there were a lot of uh, brahmins who were 
fighting against us in their own ways uh, and we we there are so many things that we can do in our own lives to do that so i think these are the main overall points that i'd like to talk about instead of going into this fact that you know mm-hmm. we're all like instead of going to numbers specifically people should themselves start looking at things with a you know taking a step back and see what kind of society are we living in right yep yeah that makes sense actually so when i read a lot of your articles i sort of looked inward and saw if like in what ways could i have been casteist my whole life mm-hmm. and one of the examples that was there right in front of me was uh, the way we treated our like domestic help yeah so it was a very nonchalant uh, thing that we used to have separate utensils for her yeah like she used yeah. to eat in a different plate she used to drink water in a different plate and we all assumed by by nature that okay that's just an hygiene issue yeah, yeah. but i noticed that that hygiene issue never came when there were other guests at home yeah yeah so this essentially had to do something with the way we were conditioned to think about it yeah yeah i mean it's it's, it's also to do with the the fact that i mean if you look at during the corona times mm-hmm. the idea was not that you know i mean see how did corona come to india just by people who are traveling from abroad and they came in right i mm-hmm. mean it's not like it came from within india yeah uh, so then the i didn't understand why people are like you know i don't want domestic workers to come home because mm-hmm. they will infect me but it was never about what if i infect them Right? right like what if i so i saw a lot of forwards which you will think that you're not doing anything wrong mm-hmm. uh, but that's how it all works it works in unconscious ways and we have to un- recognize this mm-hmm. uh, unconscious ways and not i mean not reduce the conversations to reservations or even now it's more to domestic workers but there are more things that we need to even right. talk about in terms of the relationships that we have with mm-hmm. our friends or with our partners uh in terms of how do we uh you know uh, looking at what are the networks that we have that we use and that is which is not there actually in other places if you start looking at our own networks we'll understand how caste works so mm-hmm. there are many ways we have to move beyond this conversation about it's about someone else it's right. about domestic worker it's about uh, the uh, sanitation worker it's about mm-hmm. all of that but move towards us like how in terms of our marriage practices our choices uh, with respect to uh, buying land uh, right. and many things are there so we have to move beyond that uh, also right yeah but dude, uh, coming to uh, mm-hmm. that point i remember reading one of your articles i think it was just a share from someone else uh, mm-hmm. it it was talking something around how r madhavan madi the mm-hmm. actor and yeah. tamil yeah, nadu his photo yeah and you spoke mm-hmm. about how most of his movies were like a casteist product and he was he he kind of portrays what the brahmanical view of a hero should be and okay. that that was a point where i felt like okay this is some this is probably a place where we should draw the line because i mean if you look deeply enough we are a society which is like built on caste systems and we've had casteism mm-hmm. for like what 1200 years now mm-hmm. and uh, 
it is obvious that casteism has creeped into most of our art forms most mm-hmm. of our uh, you know cinema and other forms of uh, all all walks of life basically mm. but do you then just keep digging through these ideas so much that you no longer start enjoying the things i mean i grew up watching rh tdm mm. and it was mm-hmm. one of my favorite movies mm. and it it felt like a personal attack when you said okay r madhavan is this casteist guy wait i i don't know if <laughs> i i'm not sure if i posted this because i uh-huh. i know i don't i mean i looked through my facebook post again but i don't think yeah. i posted specifically i mean if you can share it again yeah uh, it, it was uh, probably a share or i mm. i can send you the link later but it, yeah. my other so question the point is, of it yeah right so i looking, understood the point so mm-hmm. yeah go on go ahead yeah so i mean yeah no i i, I agree i mean I, I uh with respect to you know art or with respect to you know different uh, uh things that we consume in terms of movies or music and all that mm-hmm. um this is my personal standpoint that and i'm not a person who will say you know to boycott everything and dismiss everything but what we need to do is we need to understand what are we consuming in terms of this art music predominantly right so we have to really look at uh what are the what are the shows that we watch what are the music that we listen to and who is producing this music who is producing these shows for example you know look at some of the really good music the rappers mm-hmm. uh, are coming up with with respect to talking about caste right. uh, or are we looking when we go to netflix or other places are we looking at uh, shows that are not always about white people mm-hmm. right so Uh, so that's where i would look at it, it in terms of what kind of culture are we consuming and how that actually limits our own world view right. if you actually look at some of the uh, i mean as simple as there's this movie called get out uh, yep yep i've watched that yeah and it, those kind of movies are also we should watch because it it actually questions things mm-hmm. and also provides entertainment right um so i'm more of a person who search for all of these instead of consuming the usual mainstream sort of uh, um you know music movies which are, which do portray things i'm not saying I, i don't watch any of them i do watch mm-hmm. them i do enjoy them and but i know i know my position relationship with that i know that okay. i'm watching this to enjoy or uh, do things mm-hmm. and no one is perfect right i mean you right. uh, like you can you be perfectly anti everything i, I don't think right. that exists anywhere so you do watch things you do enjoy but you understand what it says what it means mm-hmm. and you enjoy the parts of it that you enjoy but right. but you can also step into other worlds that are more creative as far as i see it are more creative mm-hmm. or more uh, questioning about things around making you think so right. there are those things that we should also uh, mm-hmm. you know consume right so with that do you actually believe do you agree with the fact that uh, sorry if i'm typecasting you but no, please do you, <laughs> do you believe that uh, the liberal left has mm. become this very sensitive organism which screams mm. at everything and anything mm. just with yeah. the tiniest of provocation 
yeah yeah no i agree i i, I don't have any disagreements with the fact that mm-hmm. uh, that exists and it's sad that a nature of conversations have become a very reactive very calling out uh, i'll put a face i I, will, i have also done this it's not like i haven't done this but mm-hmm. i've kind of moved away from uh, doing this and i see this on twitter where you know you just put something and then people start calling you things right. uh, so uh, the nature of conversation has changed both on the left and the right i don't think uh, that i disagree with that but i think what i um kind of uh, and this is something that uh, there's this person called rahul sonpinple mm-hmm. um he's a uh, he's also uh, an activist and uh, uh, he's from jnu and all that so but he has a very marginalized background etc but he's very mm-hmm. critical of the system and he he and even ambedkar has talked about it but the, the fact that it's always a binary that's created right. between the left and the right between uh, uh, congress and bjp mm-hmm. um and that i think limits our you know view of the world it, it limits severely because left is not like a monolithic thing uh, yep. and right is also not a monolithic thing i know that there are differences between what savarkar said and you know what other people said so right. uh, there are differences that are there Mm-hmm. um and even in terms of economy like ashoka is seen as a left thing right but mm-hmm. they they are a capitalist sort of space uh, i mean you so i mean it that, that's the kind of politics they are practicing which is like capitalist but they also say they are liberal right. um so there are these shades and different uh, things that are there which we should start looking at more closely mm-hmm. and get down to issues get down to talking about the actual issues that are there uh, beyond this idea of left right and all mm-hmm. that yep yep yeah. yeah that makes sense uh, also with that i wanted to get your views on this so there's this new found idea of uh, what happens when people are called out especially i think this was after the me too movement correct that so somebody who you've liked and somebody's art form you've been appreciating for your whole life mm-hmm. turns out that they've been a shitty person yes throughout and it it's only coming to light after a certain point yeah and there's this huge uh, pressure built on people to boycott their work yes yes yeah and you're not supposed to watch like some people become like you know you cannot be seen in public consuming their content anymore correct correct do, do you agree with that idea of you know having mm. to essentially boycott those people or mm. do you find the idea of you know separating the art from the person feasible yeah so i mean with respect to separating the art from the person i i'm not i'm more of a i don't think you can separate those two i mean it always is enmeshed completely mm-hmm. i mean of course you can separate it in your mind i mean you can sit and say okay i'm only listening to this music or this movie mm-hmm. uh, i don't care about whether he sexually harass someone i'm going to enjoy it of course you can separate this in your mind but i don't think you can separate this in terms of the product itself it's a combination of the person's background and you know things that he he or she has done mm-hmm. uh, but with respect to uh, you know boycotting i think we have to realize that um 
it works in some ways it doesn't work in some ways right i mean uh, we have to really look at what the context is and then decide what the action is i don't think there is a generalized way right. forward that okay if this happens then we do we call this person out we boycott this person then yeah. everything gets solved i don't think it works that way mm-hmm. uh boycott so works the- in Yeah. Some of the recent examples we can pick yeah. are Harvey Weinstein, correct, uh, correct, correct. Louis C.K. There was, yeah, uh, yeah. there was something on Michael Jackson as well. There mm, was, yeah, a there was whole thing on R. Kelly. Correct. So some of these, I kind of, so I think it, it makes more sense to leave it to the person. So mm. I was, I am a huge fan of comedy, and I consume mm. uh, stand-up comedy like mm-hmm. my uh, daily bread and butter. Got it. So Louis C.K. was someone whose art form I appreciated very deeply. Yeah, and I loved all of his sets. But mm-hmm. after his allegations came to light and they were proven mm-hmm. correct, uh, mm-hmm. I can I kind of made that conscious choice. I start I started finding him not so funny anymore because mm-hmm. when he earlier talked about you know masturbating in public, that was mm-hmm. funny because. i yeah. had it in my mind that this is not something he's actually doing correct mm. but he cannot come out and talk about that anymore because he's done that <laughs> yeah so but the the problem is that he actually came out and still talked about it right in the sense yeah, that he, did. he had a show so right. that is where i think boycott works mm-hmm. uh, in some cases because the people who are whether they were uh, you know just alleged uh, that they had done sexual harassment mm-hmm. or a people who have proven whatever it is mm-hmm. if you now look at where they are placed in terms of their profession personal lives mm-hmm. they have not lost much right um they are still in the positions of power louis ck is able to come back and do it right uh, yeah. still do so the those are the places where you know mass boycott uh, sort of works uh, mm-hmm. so we have to be conscious of what that is of course there's an individual choice of what you do mm-hmm. but we have to look at it in terms of whether this action is necessary at this point and sometimes it will be necessary to make sure this person doesn't get a platform in other places because he's easily getting right. uh, platforms mm. right yeah so i want to actually uh, take this conversation to our next topic i see that you have a lot of differing views on a lot of things and you're constantly mm-hmm. at odds with the establishment and the current system yeah so I kind of wanted to know what your world view on things are and mm-hmm. what is what is the ideal world for you then like mm-hmm. we obviously cannot have a world where there is no caste yeah. or privilege of any sort mm-hmm. but within the given limitations of what we are already having mm-hmm. what are some of the changes that you think should uh going to affect immediately and what are the things how would you make this world a better place i guess i mean there are some basic things on this which is that i mean you just have to look at health education employment environment housing i mean there are these basic things that i think you have to put more money in i mean the corona virus has shown how uh in different places the private healthcare is not actually helping and pe- like in spain they are actually uh, made all the private uh, hospitals into public hospitals mm-hmm. or in different places government is even in india it's trying to uh, talk about 
you know it's trying to bring in regulations with respect to private hospitals mm-hmm. also so that's the case if government is seeping into this private space so in times of crisis then we have to really question ourselves as to how much are we what kind of uh, you know healthcare education do we want in our society and those that's are basic things that you need to work on but mm-hmm. with respect to you know you know some sort of a uh, future like idealistic thing it's I mean, in terms of the ideal, what I generally believe is that you always work towards the ideal, regardless mm-hmm. of when it comes. It's like you work towards it. And for example, the some of the rights that we have, let's say, in mm-hmm. our workplaces, the pension fund that we get, or gratuity, right. or you know, working hours. Now we have sexual harassment policy, or a- any of these things that are there mm-hmm. have come because people have fought. Uh, right. People have fought for it, and that is. what something that we understand that it's a continuous process so if we do something it will again mm-hmm. uh do so in terms of that what i kind of envision in terms of uh, the society is that there has to be localized decision making uh, mm-hmm. the decision making should be amongst you know wards and panchayats and uh, mm-hmm. you know people who are living their lives and they decide what kind of development that happens in and around them right uh, mm-hmm. economy is something that should be maybe i mean it's, it's all profit focused now mm-hmm. uh, which comes from the idea of capitalism itself but so we have to move away from this idea of profit money making uh, which seems to control everything in the world it, like mm-hmm. for example if you look at the changes in environmental regulations right there in terms of whatever you can think of whether in terms of uh there are regulations to prevent certain types of structures coming up near the coastal areas mm-hmm. or there were uh, regulations with respect to let's say you do a project mm-hmm. then you have to you have to do public consultation with people right uh yeah. but there is a list of projects which needed public consultation that also is being changed mm-hmm. uh so if you look at any of the environmental regulation changes that have come in the last few years you will realize that it's all oriented towards okay we will improve the economy by deregulating environmental regulations right but right. we don't understand the impact that it might have on the environment itself right and whether we are, we have to prioritize the idea of profit making and economy mm-hmm. over this so instead we should move towards you know more of a localized economy locally produced food locally mm-hmm. produced materials i mean there's it, it, it will align to the thing that's coming ahead which will be climate change i mean it's already going on now but you know we'll see the impacts right. of it more i guess one of the best examples of like the perils of uh, a society chasing mm-hmm. uh, extreme profit making goals mm-hmm. is the us currently yeah uh, yeah we are seeing this like unprecedented kind of a situation where we have this major major public health crisis going on where thousands of people are dying every day yeah but the president still seems to care more about the economy and he constantly talks about how you know he's going to open up the economy in a few weeks and mm-hmm. whereas there there's no conversation of you know what has been done and what is being done to like avoid the yeah. crisis itself yeah so that is something i agree with yeah. but uh i also so do you kind of envision then like a socialist uh, sort of an idea for mm. economy or of course you're you're not happy with the capitalist system 
Mm-hmm. So what, according to you, is a good way then? Is, is it communism? Is it socialism? <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, there are two, three different ways of looking at it. I look at it in terms of economy, decision making, and with respect to social inequalities. Mm-hmm. So, uh, it, it will be a combination of all the left idea ideas that are there, which will be uh, some sorts of socialism will be there, some sorts of communism will be there. Mm-hmm. Uh, for me, I, I'm not a person who believes that there's a clear path that, uh, you know, the, the communist ideology specifically, if you look, reduce it to this idea of revolution, mm-hmm. I don't see of it that way, but uh, there are other ideas that Marx and everyone brought about, which is talking about labor rights, which is talking about uh, how profits should be distributed. Mm-hmm. The, I mean, we on one hand we look at, you know, GDP, but we also see inequality rising, like the number of billionaires in uh, the Forbes from India keep on increasing, and our human development index keeps on decreasing. So at some point we have to address that, right? So mm-hmm. there is something that's going on. But the other thing that is is there is that uh, when it comes to socialism, communism, what gets missed out is the idea of patriarchy and caste. Mm-hmm. Uh, because with respect to caste and patriarchy, they're all interlinked in many different ways. Um, the way forward is something that many, you know, Ambedkar has also talked about, and it, he's not just talked about reservation, he's talked about many other things. Mm-hmm. Even other people who've come over have talked about things, but I think it starts with as basic as, you know, looking at redistribution of, uh, it will involve letting go of some of our privilege. It will involve redistribution of land. Mm-hmm. It will involve redistribution of uh, some of the temple resources that are there. Temple also, temples in India and mm-hmm. mosques in India, they have, uh, they own a lot of land. They own a lot of money that's there. Mm-hmm. Um, and that needs to be redistributed too. So these material changes, if it comes, mm-hmm. uh, the inequalities also start getting addressed in different ways. There is, of course, the cultural and practice part of it, but there's also the material part of it, which we need to talk about. And uh, we need to understand how, I mean, see, this is how I would imagine uh, the people who are making decisions. Mm-hmm about the development that happens, about the economy that happens, should be, you know, people from diverse backgrounds and should be, should really involve what India is. Um, Mm -hmm. But we don't see what India is represented uh, in terms of uh, uh, decision makers itself. Uh, So a lot of ideas are there from the ground. A lot of farmers are there to think about different things. So if you make it more localized, there are, there are lesser, lesser chances of, you know, uh, environmental destruction or inequalities uh, that happen because locally people have more control over, you know, the way it should function. So, But I, yeah. I see a small loophole mm-hmm. with what you said. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure if I'm seeing this the right way. But mm-hmm. so caste and patriarchy are kind of like the most basic units of uh, power. Mm-hmm. Right, and they exist at the most grassroots level. Like patriarchy exists within a family, mm-hmm. uh, caste exists between, like within a small community, there is like a well-defined structure of caste. So Correct. when you say localization of power or decentralization of decision-making power, 
don't you think it directly means that all these uh, like structures that you're trying to do away with yes. will then yes. become more empowered like the local for example yes. if you take a small village I the agree. local village headman will be the one upper caste guy who owns yes. the most land you know i agree I, i completely agree and this is what uh, the problem which people had with gandhi's idea of hinsaraj also mm-hmm. um, that you know you're talking about villages but you're not talking about the caste that exists mm-hmm. there so the way i look at it is that it's the ways in which we have to bring checks and balances uh, in the policies in the way in which we make decisions in the way we make development and these section balances are important it's not like just because you localize it means uh, it is better but the thing is this is my guess that with localization the checks and balances can be stronger but if sent with centralization like like how mm-hmm. it is right now mm-hmm. um, all the decisions are from the center there is no checks and balance for example i mean uh, there are three four people in the last week being um, arrested because of uapa Mm-hmm. and what can we do i mean there are environmental policies that are being changed in the last couple of weeks labor laws being changed and we are just i mean what states also can't do anything they are also sitting in their homes everyone sitting in their homes mm-hmm. and the central is changing things day by day so the centralization of power and right. this and this will not only affect i'm not saying this is a right wing thing i'm saying mm-hmm. even if any government comes into power next be right. congress or left or anything mm-hmm. this centralization power will still exist they can still you do the same things right so this system has to change also mm-hmm. yeah oh, well that is that is actually a lot to consume at one time but mm-hmm. the way i see it uh, so if you were to list four things that you would immediately bring in as policy changes <laughs> what would yeah. like that laundry list look like like the reason i asked this question is because mm-hmm. it seems like there there are ideas which are at like the back of your mind but mm-hmm. if you were to put them on paper and say okay we are mm-hmm. at point a and this is point b where we have to be and to go from point a to point b these are the things that we'll need to change i don't see that clear path okay so see i think one is there are enough laws that are there already okay mm-hmm. that needs to be implemented properly for example we have a panchayati raj act mm-hmm. but none of the governments except kerala actually mm-hmm. think about uh, panchayati raj act most of the panchayats are defunct or corrupt or uh, mm-hmm. only there are some few panchayats who actually function so this thing about localized decision making can start happening through this idea of panchayat and wards mm-hmm. instead of the city plans or development plans that happen in some room and with some uh, you know experts you can make it localized through this panchayat raj act itself okay mm-hmm. and the, the, it is there in the constitution so that's one second is um, we should stop changing our environmental uh, regulations mm-hmm. we are if you can go and look just look at the changes that the government has brought about in the last uh five to six years and mm-hmm. uh, you will see that there was many regulations that were there which was good though they were not perfect but that's been deregulated mm-hmm. right so that's also there so so you just stop doing it and stop 
focusing on profit start focusing on what people are saying and what people are facing so i mean these these are like tangible things a uh, couple of things and third is i mean we talk about reservation and all that but mm-hmm. you know implement it fully i mean look at the number of seats that are empty or look at we talk about how it should be for tidiness and all that but mm-hmm. it's not even being implemented properly so you can just implement things that are there and that will itself go along and last thing is respect you know the processes that's there in the constitution um yeah. they're not perfect they're not you know all that but you can just start uh, i mean see all this i'm talking about in terms of the government sort mm-hmm. of what they can do so they can just ensure that debates happen in the parliament and that's right. all i mean mm-hmm. debates happen in the parliament they send the bills to the parliamentary standing committee mm-hmm. there's a lot of they involve the public in terms of policies they converse with the public they give enough time for public to respond these are already there right i mean if you start doing these things mm-hmm. things will start getting better and you just have to put more money in more money and focus on health instead of allowing it to privatize or education instead of allowing it to privatize okay. even if you so, want to privatize have some have some regulation right i mean mm-hmm. you can't if you just leave it go this is what has happened in us like and this is what is happening here also that private healthcare is now is not helping in terms of crisis mm-hmm. why is it that and question that and change some things right right yeah now that makes sense uh, especially with the public health scenario that i'm seeing in america right now it it's quite alarming because uh, the system currently in the us is most people get uh, their health insurance from their employers mm. and mm. so it, it's like this vicious cycle right now people are losing jobs because of a virus mm. and with their jobs they're losing their health insurance yeah and this is the time when they need their health insurance the most yeah but what i predict will happen is that because the economy needs to keep running mm-hmm. and because the idea is based on profit mm-hmm. things will still open up at the cost of people oh that's uh, already happening yes right so i mean why why should we get into that i mean i mean of course i'm not an economist and all that but right. these are but i don't think i'll be okay with being things being done at the cost of labor rights mm-hmm. at the cost of you changing 8 hour works to 12 hours right yeah no simple things like that mm-hmm. so, so you don't have to go into you know idealistic world and all right. the things that you can start now right at speaking in terms of classical economics mm-hmm. i see one major issue with your idea so you mm-hmm. are kind of stepping into two different boards at the same time when right. you say you are like you want to push liberal ideas forward and mm-hmm. like people's liberties should be uh, promoted and that should be something we should mm-hmm. give more importance to and at the mm-hmm. same time you also talk about increasing so basically you're you're also endorsing a big state versus a small state like a no the government. difference is that i'm talking about localized decision making which is where the difference is like there is mm-hmm. of course the role of the central government or the big state that's there right. but you know long term place i'm looking at a panchayat ward level mm-hmm. you people come and decide together uh then the city plan gets developed and doesn't it's a bottom up approach than a top down approach mm-hmm. 
that is where my uh, idea of the world is. Eventually, I don't want the state to exist. We all mm-hmm. decide. Uh, state can do some administrative things over and above, but mm-hmm. we are all participating in you know our own society building. Right. So two things about that. One mm-hmm. is essentially the law and order situation. Like, mm-hmm. so this is probably where it reflects the most. But you kind of have this notion that like the panchayati raj level like people are self sufficient they can decide for their own good but in recent times if you've seen some of the cases where there were kangaroo courts who decide against are kind of responsible for killing of an interfaith couple okay. uh, there are all kinds of evil so even if you look at some of these lynchings which happened recently I agree. with the three sadhus it was sort of like that localized decision making into play correct so yeah. how do we then ensure that it's like so our basic units of societies which are like the panchayats are also essentially extremely regressive yes yes completely so how yeah. can you talk about like extremely progressive ideas and also give power to the most regressive basic units at the same yeah. time no understand so that two two aspects sir one is that it's not that uh, i'm not saying there is a there'll be a situation where um, you know panchayats have all the powers and people are just like following them so there has to be checks and balances i think the one of the checks and balances is that it's they are elected representatives mm-hmm. um, and the fact that people should be participating in the process they should it's not about voting and then be like okay this is done but things can change if people are still participating in the political process or whatever process that's there on the ground where they put pressure on people when they are not doing what they are supposed to do that needs to exist you can't like evade that ever i don't think there's a uh just because you localize it means regressiveness will go away mm-hmm. what i'm just trying to say is that local localizing things will allow for uh more of a establishing checks and balances that are there mm-hmm. and putting pressure on the people who are elected or who are in power uh so that that aspect is what will allow for the regressiveness to you know there is some sort of force that always uh balances the regressiveness or pushes it down from the ground level so uh, it it's 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 like that it's it, it's not a uh you know blanket statement that this is the thing that will work right uh, so did you kind of that, understand yeah i i did get it but i'm not sure if i agree with you because uh, mm-hmm. that brings me to my second point that i had mm-hmm. so uh, according to there is theory called public choice theory which mm-hmm. talks about you know it, which kind of looks towards economics and politics from a lens of incentives mm-hmm. one of the things it clearly states is uh, governments are essentially bad at whatever they do because mm-hmm. their incentives are never in the right place mm-hmm. like once a government gets elected their immediate next goal is to try to hold on to that power and win the next election correct and that inherently is naturally their first priority and Correct. any other acts of good that they do in the process are just a mere uh, by product mm-hmm. and not their end goal at all mm-hmm. when that is the case and there's also this uh, 
concept of rational ignorance mm. so people essentially have a very good rational mm. to stay ignorant from a lot of politics like Correct. it doesn't it it takes massive effort for me to sit through read through a lot of documents around what is happening what Correct. decisions are being made mm. whereas it, it makes a lot more sense for me to just ignore that aspect and go about my life like nothing of that matters mm. Mm, correct and that's what a lot of people do even correct. with respect to voting yeah. one of the basic things we kind of never try to dig into is what is the criminal record of like the local guy i'm going to vote for mm-hmm. so correct when people are finding that rational in being ignorant mm. then how do you think your system of local governance where you expect people to be much more active in mm-hmm. their decision making than they are today got it to so participate yeah. then yeah understand so with respect to the public choice sort of government being elected wants to retain power yeah i mean that's mm-hmm. true i mean that's always been true right i mean uh, that's something that you the, how do you address people in power retaining power you try to f- come up with you know whatever we have in terms of judiciary or print mm-hmm. media or journalism or you have ways in which you can uh, the constitutional processes itself have checks and balances we have representative uh, some of the like we have this you know elected representatives a parliamentary system you know all of these things are there but inevitably there is this thing of government getting elected to power and retaining it which is why we can't always uh, it's a continuous process it's a process where we have to continuously you know take part in in, in any ways i mean not really mm-hmm. you don't have to be grassroots level all the time you can start writing about it thinking about it talking to people around um taking certain choices in your own life the way you mm-hmm. elect or the way you uh talk about policies outside and there's things that and of course there are the protests that always go on uh, in mm-hmm. parallel they are always pressurizing the government to change certain things i mean you know if you look at uh in the beginning why uh, nrc wasn't uh, or ca wasn't brought in was mm-hmm. because uh, there was a lot of protests in the northeast right so there were there were and if you look at many other things that the government has taken a step back is because of the protests or all of that so that sort of process of churning of people in power retaining power other people pressurizing it's always going to exist right. but how do we reduce the power mm-hmm. i think that's where we need to look at it i feel like localizing it will reduce that sort of power that the central government has which is there right now mm-hmm. right so so that's one the second is the rational ignorance part which is true um i think there are two things that i'd like to say one is that people who are getting affected by the policies of the government mm-hmm. or the steps of the government right. they they are who are facing the day to day realities of it mm-hmm. they are anyway back, uh, uh, talking about things or protesting or doing other things already right so there is this section of society which is already inevitably has to engage with the politics because it's affecting their daily lives right yeah there's a second aspect is that there's there are people who who whose daily lives don't get really affected on a large basis because 
the i mean we'll complain about traffic we'll complain about all of these things but end of the day we we won't have time to get into this and what i have realized that it's it, it is an issue because um you i mean some the ones who do a 9 to 6 job a 10 to 6 job whatever that is mm-hmm. you're tied into this economy system where you know it doesn't let you be part of the uh, you know things day to day politics of the things that are happening around mm-hmm. so because you're always going to office you uh, earning things so th- th- there is a limitation uh, because of that and each of each each of us have to look at you know what are we willing to let go in terms of okay i will uh, i will not you know chill and netflix on the weekends but i'll do something else or mm-hmm. i will take more effort in terms of i mean that's the situation we are in we have to put more efforts outside of our workplaces to yeah. do things or yeah. within the workplaces within the families we start raising uh, questions which is also difficult so that's something that we have to decide on what we do but i don't think it's because it's an intrinsic uh, thing that we have that we want to be ignorant of things mm-hmm. um, if there is i think if there is a culture that's established in education systems and mm-hmm. there is time and space given by our workplaces by our education system and all that then we will get involved in the day to dayness of the things around and we will uh and and people do get involved in different ways when it affects for example mm-hmm. indranagar or you know other uh, places like they have resident welfare associations who who will be like hey i don't want to see street vendors on this road we will file a case so there are people yeah. who are already doing that mm-hmm. uh but uh so there are different sections of society who are involving in politics yeah and the whole yeah you have to make some thing like the way yeah. bangalore organized itself when they were mm. like protesting against the steel flyover was amazing for me to watch because mm. it was one of these very good examples of citizens coming through like organically without having any face associated mm-hmm. with the whole movement mm-hmm. that was good to watch yeah i think we should take inspiration from the ones who who are you know uh, surviving on daily wages mm mm-hmm. but they get affected by government's policies or actions right and they take steps to ensure their rights are established mm-hmm. so they are able to do the work that they are doing they are able to demand for the rights they are able to establish and get those rights also right. so we need to take inspiration from you know people like them mm-hmm. well yeah that makes a lot of sense uh like i agree with you on the idea of localization itself and how it should work like how mm-hmm. power should be redistributed into mm-hmm. more grassroots levels yeah. but i kind of uh, i feel like i i don't see the path to there especially with the way we are headed like with the direction that we are headed right now mm-hmm. so th- that's my next question so you talk about these ideas which are radical in some sense radical mm-hmm. in the sense that they're like the end product is so different from what we imagine our society mm-hmm. right now is mm-hmm. so going from there uh, and you look at the reality right now it's it's mostly right wing people gaining all the power they are like going forward with their ideologies and implementing their mm-hmm. ideas 
with comfort and ease that has never been uh, at their disposal before that mm-hmm. so in this situation what still gives you hope to carry forward with all the activisms and uh, can you tell me a little bit about like the, there were a couple of times when you even like went into jail for some of your protests right mm-hmm. yeah. so how do you deal with that kind of like the frustration and uh, like the futility mm. that you feel like participating in some of these protests but seeing the meet like the mood of the nation going in the completely different direction yeah so i mean uh, I, i mean i'd like to say that i mean everyone i mean i know personally and also others mm-hmm. uh they, there will be ups and downs in terms of you know mental health and in terms of despair or in terms mm-hmm. of you know looking at not finding hope and i have also gone through this phase so i'm not saying I, i always have this some idea of you know everything is going to work out or anything there are ups and downs but the way in which it um uh, helps for me personally is three three things i think one is uh, the fact that there is a history and i i believe uh, in terms of looking at taking inspiration from historical struggles that are there mm-hmm. it can be you know british against the british or there are there are women movements that are there there are anti caste movements that are there there are adivasi right uh, movements that are there i mean uh, which all many of which continue to exist and these the, there is this uh, hope that i get from the fact that people before have struggled mm-hmm. and have got rights in different very different difficult circumstances right and that gives me hope that yeah like i don't see a futility in terms of raising questions uh, per se because i know that at some point it will uh, uh, you know take effect even if it doesn't 10 years down the line maybe somewhere down the line so it, it is the satisfaction that i'm at least being honest to myself and uh, you know looking at things that are happening around talking about it honestly so that's mm-hmm. one uh, two things and the other thing is um right now there are things that you can take inspiration from different people have different ways of getting inspired i, I get inspired a lot by the music that comes out uh, by bands like you know castles collective or mm-hmm. uh, this rapper kolarivu or you know there are many um uh, you know also like there are people who are you know uh, singing vachanas um, right. and all that so so th- th- there's a lot of uh, uh, hope that i get inspiration and hope i get from just listening to people talking mm-hmm. about current things in mm-hmm. an artistic way so it, so that gives me hope and looking at the and i mean to be honest i was a really uh, you know inspired by the fact that because of this anti uh, this ca nrc thing i mm-hmm. saw a lot of new faces uh, in bangalore like you would always go to this town hall protest and you'll see the same faces same right. old like bunch of like 30 40 people mm-hmm. we'll just protest and we'll just go back home but this time uh, there are a lot of different faces that came up right. so there are so it feels like yeah some of them are looking at things in a different way too so i mean these are the things that i kind of get hope from music the current happenings and uh, right, uh, yeah, this ca nrc was a very interesting time for me just as like a mm. like a distant observer 
because mm-hmm. my views changed and i saw a lot of people like me uh, whose mm-hmm. views changed suddenly overnight because mm-hmm. i kind of realized that we are all like we are products of after uh, the economy was liberalized correct so we are largely living in peaceful times where there's prosperity and we've never had mm-hmm. any strife as such mm-hmm. and we are, we are the generation who has not seen the emergency days mm-hmm. nor the recession yeah. days so yeah. <clears throat> the way we look at things is very different from what our previous generation looks at it correct correct and uh, one of the things i realized was like from the time that we've gained any sort of uh, like consciousness with respect to politics and so- mm-hmm. society mm-hmm. it was always the upa that which was in power and we saw a lot yeah. of scams happening and we thought okay yeah. naturally the next best option now is to go with correct bjp which was alternate offering a yes different alternate at that point that's true and a lot of us did that we all of us were very vocally supportive of the bjp in 2014 yeah. and i would say between 2014 to 2019 the, their policies were mostly mainstream and you know they weren't very aligned with their hindu hindutva ideology as such Mm-hmm. but what happened after 2019 was kind of a wake up call for all of us about mm-hmm. you know how actually ideologies work mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. interesting times uh, but having said that there, there's this concept of eco chambers that exists correct so finally closing point one thing i realized mm-hmm. was that like these protests that we attend so mm-hmm. ye jo you spoke about these familiar faces that you find in these yeah. town hall protests yeah. that is a, what we call a, an eco chamber right so lo, like those people already agree with you on those things and yes. all of you are out there just talking to each other yeah. but the like the person who votes for the bjp is sitting at home chilling yes and probably yeah. planning to attend the next pro ca rally correct how do we then bridge this gap look at the way i see it is like the basic unit starts with your with our own families like mm-hmm. our family whatsapp groups are these many right wing uh, ideology uh, hubs mm-hmm. where you know most of these ideas get exchanged and yeah. we conveniently learn to ignore those and like our families are, are themselves not secular and yeah. we are out on streets expecting secularism from the state yeah that's which i think is a ridiculous idea correct so how do you look at the future like what does uh, political activism hold for you in the future and what do you see yourself doing in the next 2 3 years to address some of these issues yeah yeah so i agree that uh, it's an eco chamber i mean one thing that i do see is every time some of you know the ones i know come together there is always the talk about okay we need to reach out to people mm-hmm. but there is no systematic way i mean um, the systematic thought about how do you you know do that yeah um and uh, it's because of a lot of reasons also i mean mm-hmm. there is uh, because there is a lot of issues that are there you will be working on one thing and something other pops up and you will start working on other thing um so there there are you know different ish, uh, reasons why the eco chambers exist and i'm not talking about social media eco chambers so i'm just talking about in our own lives yeah uh, and um, with respect to 
family i mean see i have realized i mean from personally i don't think i mean it's very difficult for i'm not able to understand how to deal with it so i have kind of taken a step back from addressing it within my own family uh, sort of a thing i mean with my parents i might engage in different things mm-hmm. but with the, outside my parent circle i'm not i've stopped engaging in terms of uh, unless i get into a situation where i'm talking to it i don't initiate things uh, by myself and that's because it it has tired me over the last two years and mm-hmm. i'm not able to figure out what to do so i wouldn't i don't think there is a uh, like i wouldn't say that you have to work on the family before you go out mm-hmm. uh, yeah ideally that would help uh, but some of them can't do it some of them for them some of them the family itself is like you don't want to be in this space you want to be in the space where people understand you mm-hmm. right so i know different people have different relationships with families and based on that they all everyone has to decide what they can do uh, understanding that you know it's uh, it's difficult to do it by yourself alone right you need a, mm-hmm. so that's where uh, i would talk about what i'm looking forward to is that um it's it's necessary to build some sort of a, a community that's there mm-hmm. in terms of not in terms of like a union or you know those things it's it's more of a support system that you have you all have similar ideas mm-hmm. and you work towards that idea in a very slow systematic manner uh, right. and you understand that it's for the long term and you're not mm-hmm. you you're not thinking about i'm going to address this issue or that issue but it's about how do you talk about the issue that reaches out to a large uh, section of people mm-hmm. um and uh, so personally i'm what i'm thinking of is uh, you know some sort of ways in which uh, you can have conversations or fun ways of talking about uh, our own uh, so my idea is that i know that where i am situated i know what class mm-hmm. caste etc i am from and i know the experience that i am going through mm-hmm. so i'll take my own experiences and i'll take the experiences of my friends and all that and mm-hmm. i will try to make it like a fun sort of uh, video or music or any sort of art uh, that's there that through which conversations about critiquing or you know mm-hmm. looking at things in a political manner and when i say political like looking at it in terms of sociological manner right is something that i'm interested in and get into this canada uh, youtube tiktok space right i mean mm-hmm. i i personally i want to get into that and engage right. with people through those mediums mm-hmm. because i feel like i'm more i'll also have fun with it right. and i'll also be doing something that uh, in I, i i won't step back from saying things i know i want to say right yeah that that makes a lot of sense all right we've already run over our time yeah by a lot so but uh, this has been fun man uh, i didn't expect i was expecting a lot more probably heated discussions or <laughs> arguments but uh, it's surprising how mellow down people become uh, when they're actually talking in person versus talking just yeah. in comment boxes yeah that's true right so this was fun thank you so much for taking your time oh, off thank you to also. do this yep so uh, do you want to plug your social media because i would want a lot of my uh, listeners to go check out some of your writings 
if you can just tell them your handles on Facebook. Yeah, so I mean, I'm, I'm available on Facebook on Sudamshu S U D H A M S H U dot M I P R A and Facebook dot com slash Sudamshu dot Gita and um, on Instagram, which I use more these days, which is Euphoria U Y O U underscore E H O R I A. But I've written uh, pieces on. You can just search my name on Youth Ki Awaaz, uh, Agents of Fish. Uh, if you just Google my name and look for articles, uh, you'll find it. And yeah, you can just follow my post. You can just reach out to me wherever I can share things, or we can have more discussions around this. Awesome, awesome. Yeah. And uh, I am Aniket Kulkarni. I'm uh, known very famously as Not So Funny Kid on Instagram. <laughs> and i'm not active on facebook at all these days so don't bother following me over there thank you so much thanks sudamshu this has been thank wonderful you, have a yeah. have a great day yeah you too thank you thank you bye bye